0: Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so glad you're here with us, and I am so grateful to be your host. We're looking today at intentional errors in manuscripts. You know, there's this corpus of manuscripts, not just Greek, but hundreds of languages have ancient Bible manuscripts. And so we're using, and have been for few weeks now, the popular handbook of archaeology in the Bible by Holden and Geisler, kind of as our kind of our base textbook. And then you know, I encourage everybody to purchase the book. It's just that good. It's it's the type of thing I, I wish I could give out to everyone in the world. It's that good. Um I often say it's to this generation what evidence that demands a verdict was to previous generations. You know, we'll bounce around from there, just kind of as this is a base textbook. But again, thank you for being with us, and uh, let's get started. So first we have uh, these intentional errors. We're on pages 108 and 109. Intentional changes can be categorized into harmonizational, historical or factual, grammatical or linguistical, doctrinal, conflational, and liturgical. Now, I did want to say, it says conflational. That's more Westcott and Hork theory. Really, most were deletions, and that's just ancient scribal practices, how they had to write. So, um, in harmonizational, I'm thankful that he brings that into, uh, it's like the Lord's Prayer. You know, you have it two different ways. Well, one Sermon on the Mount, the other Sermon on the Plain kind of thing. So he spoke it more than once. Jesus evidently taught the same subjects multiple times. And that's something sometimes lost even in Bible harmonies. So let's look at harmonizational changes were made by scribes who sought to bring harmony to various scriptures by correcting them to match each other. It's possible that such harmonization could often be the result of the scribe mistakenly assuming the text to be an error when actually it was not. Many of the harmonizational changes made can be observed in the synoptic gospels, I would say, so-called synoptic gospels, as scribes attempted to harmonize accounts that were portrayed differently by each author. Gives the Lord's Prayer example then. And then historical and factual changes. And uh, some of these were intentional. Scribes thought they were actually correcting the mistake of a previous copyist. It's obvious this is the case in Revelation 1-5 when a copyist changed Lusante to Losante, adding a, a U, thus changing the word from loosed to washed in regards of our sins. Other scribes may have attempted to change a word to update a name or a city to eliminate confusion of history or geography such as Gergesenes, Gadarenes, and Gerasenes, found respectively in Luke, Matthew, and Mark. Also, grammatic or linguistic changes as time and tradition impeded upon the list, linguistic nuances or stylistic idiosyncrasies of the scribes or as culture. Again, modifications were made. We see this with Old English, you know, the Uh, dropping of E from joy and uh, the old double S's looking like F's and stuff like that. Doctrinal changes as well. The most intentional of all changes have been the result of the scribe's pursuit of orthodoxy, which resulted in doctrinal changes. I would say the exact opposite. I'd turn that on its head. I would say the evidence shows that it was their striving for heterodoxy. The interchanging of Son and God in the variant readings of John 18, example of such. Conflational changes, Christian tribes devoted to the task of copying the scriptures in their entirety may have sometimes been too fastidious in their inclusion of material. Critics point out that for fear of omission, sometimes they included too much. Again, I would say that is turned on its head. That it was an ancient scribal practice. Author Cleveland Cox showed this rather conclusively that deletions were much easier for ancient scribes to make than inclusions. Just how, when they would write, especially in Greek, you know, there were no spaces between the letters so it was much easier to remove a letter or a word and kind of move everything around than to try to cram something in because a lot of times they knew what letter the line was supposed to begin or end with and the word so you could kind of monkey around in the middle well, with there being no spaces it was extraordinarily difficult to add something even a letter because it just everything but... If you want to remove a word or even a phrase, well, then you could just expand the letters outward a little bit and it wouldn't be quite so obvious. And then liturgical changes. These are intentional. These include minor changes that were made to follow ecclesiastical usage. And uh, so that's pretty interesting there. And he concludes with this, Considering the vast collection of New Testament manuscripts, one is overcome by the lofty credibility this mass of evidence demonstrates. The preservation of so great a mass of bibliographical material has ensured that even the book of Revelation is supported by over 300 Greek manuscripts. And that was one of the last books that uh, some of the uh, institutionalized church really accepted. The greater the amount of documentation, the greater degree to which variants are exposed and errors expunged. Though most of the variants found within the New Testament documents comprise insignificant grammatical errors. And that's true, even in the minuscule tradition. Textual critics have worked relentlessly over the centuries to collect all error and have successfully provided us the Bible we possess today. And that goes back to the quest of the historical Bible text, much like the quest for the historical Jesus, that we don't know Jesus, we're trying to figure him out. And so they'd say, we didn't really have a Bible, we're trying to get one. I would say that the Bible is used in hundreds of languages all around the world. The evidence points that way. A few scraps have found that don't agree amongst themselves here in the last couple hundred years. And uh, they're trying to reconstitute a Bible from that. So God bless you. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. And I do would ask if you'd just share with your friends and family and Sunday school classes, church, maybe your pastor. would love for them to hop on board. Everything could be interested in this. We appreciate Anchor and podcasting so much. And uh do ask God to bless everybody that listens in Jesus' name. And please subscribe, leave a five-star review. That'd be most helpful, too. We'll talk with you later. God bless you. Bye-bye.